thank everyone for coming out this uh, Sunday afternoon. And we'd like to thank those who download these as uh, podcasts from iTunes, which are currently being posted by Jared. Welcome to correspond with us and give us your feedback at utahchristians.gmail.com. We'd also like to thank those who take our membership class online at www.utahchristians.org. And for becoming members, we couldn't do what we do without your help and support. Everything is inspired by the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder, Acharya, of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Before we launch into our theme, sometimes we tell a joke just to get your creative juices flowing. So I heard a story about a hillbilly family from the back reaches of Appalachia who went to the city for the first time. There was dad with his coveralls and he had his little boy with him and there was his unglamorous, overweight wife. They all went to the city and they went to the mall for the first time. The boy and the son were looking in one part of the mall, his wife was looking in part of another mall, and they came in front of this set of big metal shiny doors and a bank of lights above. And Hillbilly says to his son, he says, Dang, he says, I wonder what that contraption does. And just as soon as he said it, the lights start dinging, 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 and the door opened. And a little old lady in a wheelchair rolls up, she goes in, the doors close behind her. Lights go ding, 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 ding. After a few minutes, they open up, and a gorgeous 24 year old blonde walks out. He says, Son, go get your mom. <laughs> Today we'd like to talk about, probably now, know why I picked that particular joke, right? <laughs> I'd like to talk about... <laughs> Try to make some connection, however tenuous. Today we'd like to talk about bringing your dreams to pass. Henry Ford said, if you think you can do it, or if you think you can't do it, you're both right. If you think you can do it, you're right, you can do it. If you think you can't do it, you're right, you can't do it. So what are we saying here? That you're bounded only by your thoughts. You go as far in life as your thoughts allow you. If you have lines in the sand that according to my thought life I can't achieve any more than this, then before you've even started out of the starting gate, before you've even run your race of life, you've already decided in advance that you can only go so far and you can only achieve so much. Too many people let their own uncontrolled thoughts keep them from getting out of the starting game. They say, I'll never get out of debt. I'll never lose this weight. The economy's probably going to sink my, sink my business. My marriage is never going to last. It's our own thoughts more than anything else that set the limits on where we go in our life. This is Nick Vucicek. Nick was born without arms and without legs. And yet he learned the secret that we're talking about today. He learned that it's not limbs or arms or legs or anything physical which limits you nearly as much as our own thoughts and our own minds. He's gone far further in his life than many people who are hale and hearty and intact. Because those hale, hearty, and physically intact people are their own worst enemies because of their limited thought life. Nick is the most sought-after motivational speaker in the United States of America. A day doesn't go by when he's in high schools and junior colleges inspiring young people to make the most of their lives. And his theme is, without limbs, without limits. And this is his friend. She was a world-class surfer until a shark took her arm. And both of them learned 
that it's far more important to have unlimited thoughts than it is to have unlimited physical facilities. There are people who get up in the morning and they've already decided, even before they get up, it's going to be a great day that the Lord has made. There are great things in store for me. It doesn't matter what my physical disabilities or handicaps are. God has a great plan for me. Favors are upon me. Blessings are chasing me down. No obstacle, no sickness, no disability is bigger than the ability of my God to counteract that and take care of it. It's easy to program our minds to victories because we're going to become whatever it is that we believe about ourselves. If you believe you'll always be heavy, guess what? You'll always be heavy. If you believe you'll never beat that addiction, you'll never beat that addiction. If you believe that you're not attractive, you're not talented, you don't have much to offer, if you think of yourself in that way, people will also perceive you and think of you in the same way. What we're going to try to encourage everyone, and I listen to myself here, is to start that same programming process, but instead of programming ourselves for defeat, learn how to repattern our minds and program ourselves for victory. What you just heard for a half an hour was chanting of mantras, various names of God, the foremost of which you see on the board above you there, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Krishna is a name for God, means all attractive. Ram is another name for God, which means the highest pleasure absolute, and Hare is an invocatory term. Now the meaning of the word mantra, Man means mind, basically the same as English, and tra means to deliver us from the limits, the boundaries that the mind is going to set upon us. When we chant mantras, we're delivering ourselves from the limitations of our physical body and as well as our mind. When we chant the names of God, we're telling ourselves we're not alone, we're not orphans in this material world, but we have royal blood flowing in our veins. We are sons and daughters of the Almighty Lord, who has got our back, who has got us in the palm of His hand. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, those who are connected to me, those who honor the God-given embedded dreams in their heart, uh, those who center their lives around God, it says, by His grace, by the grace of the Almighty Lord, they cross over all the obstacles of conditioned life. With the help of the Lord, nothing is difficult. Without the help of the Lord, everything is difficult. It describes in the Bhagavad Gita that we are qualitatively one with the Lord. The Lord is made of eternity, bliss, and knowledge. And we're like little sparks from the Lord, and so we qualitatively have the same consistency. We're also Satchinananda, full of knowledge, bliss, and eternity. But whereas the Lord is unlimited, we are infinitesimal. And as infinitesimal spirit souls, some or other we've been dropped into this vast ocean of material nature. It's called samsara. It's an unlimited ocean of birth, death, disease, and old age. Now, on our own, we can't extricate ourselves from this situation. Imagine if you were dropped in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It wouldn't matter if you were a channel swimmer or Olympic. It wouldn't matter. You could not extricate yourself from the vastness of the Pacific Ocean. So Krishna accordingly says in the Bhagavad Gita, Devi hiya shamunami matammaya daratya. Daratya means very, very, very difficult. He says it's very, very difficult to overcome this material nature. We just don't have the power. But he says, By my grace, or when one connects oneself to God, and one can very easily overcome the forces of material nature. It says the vast ocean, by the grace of the Lord, is shrunk all the difficulties, all the stumbling blocks, 
all the friction, is reduced by the grace of the Lord from the size of an ocean to an area comparable to the amount of water which seeps into the hoof print of a cow when it walks on the field. It can very easily cross over. Let's cast aside our low expectations considering who we are and where we come from. Why should we, as sons and daughters of the Most High, go around rooting on failure, expecting failure, uh, training and patterning our mind for mediocrity, thinking of ourselves as being in ill health? Some people, they'll say to themselves a thousand times, I'm not well. Well, that's all right. But then they'll corner anybody they can buttonhole in a corner. They'll tell them all the details, all the symptoms, their latest temperature, how this is an incurable disease, what the report of the doctors are saying, how my great-great-grandmother died of the same thing. So when you repeat this mantra that you're not well, your mind goes to work. And it makes sure that that comes into fulfillment. Your mind's working perfectly well, but when you start out with a negative attitude, then the mind, functioning perfectly well, makes sure that there's more swelling, there's more inflammation, there's more pain, there's more, there's more discomfort. How many people do you know that go around feeling insecure, intimidated, unqualified? The mind goes to work. It gives them instructions. Be clumsy. Make mistakes. Be slow. What's the problem? The person is programming themselves for defeat. Mind's working perfectly, helping us to become whatever it is that we think. Mind in the Bhagavad Gita described could be our best friend or it can be our worst enemy. Do not, we beseech you, tell this incredible tool, this command center that Krishna has given us to release defeat, to release poison, to release failure, and to release mediocrity. Give it the good news, program it into the good news, that as the mind can drag us and degrade us, when it's uncontrolled, when it's controlled, it can take us to levels that you could never, ever imagine before. If we simply learn to turn things around and program ourselves to think that we're well-equipped, we're well-able, we're empowered to do the Lord's will in this day and age and make a difference in our generation, then that itself will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. I read about Wilma Rudolph. I don't know if there's too many histories that you can cite of someone who from their very birth seemed like they weren't going to get out of the starting gate of life. There seemed to be so many things stacked against Wilma Rudolph that it would be hard to predict anything good in her life. In 1920, she was born. She was born prematurely. Uh, she got pneumonia not once, but twice as a baby. That was piggybacked upon by scarlet fever. And the worst thing, she had a bout with polio in her infancy, which left her with a crooked left leg and a foot that was twisted inward. But she took the limits off of her mind. She did not allow her mind to be depressed and defeated by the obvious state of the circumstances. She was determined not to allow her disability to get in the way of her dreams. And her mother would encourage her, saying, Honey, the most important thing in life is for you to believe in a great destiny and keep on trying. Wilma Rudolph, in the 1940 Olympic track games, broke three world records, and she was the first woman in history to win three gold medals. 
1977, she published her autobiography called Wilma. The book was later turned into a television film. In the 1980s, she was inducted into the United States Olympic Hall of Fame, and she established the Wilma Rudolph Foundation to promote amateur athletics. In 2004, she was honored to get her picture on postage stamp. And she's been a source of great inspiration for generations of Afro-American women athletes. Need to learn to guard our mind. Get our command center sending out the right instructions. Not what we feel, not what we think, not what the circumstances seem to dictate, not what our critics are saying about us, but get them sending out the promises that Krishna makes in the Bhagavad Gita, the protections that he offers, and the favors that he bestows upon his devotees. We uh, had three lamas go out in May to Idaho on a recent rental. And you got to watch out, in May in Idaho, it's, it, there's a lot of ticks in Idaho. And we learned later that there's one type of tick, very rare, one in a thousand, that will release a certain toxin which is paralytic. And it starts by paralyzing the back legs of the llama, and the paralysis works its way up. And it's explained when we Googled it that it's more often than not fatal. So sure enough, we had three llamas, including our best llama, Rama the llama. Uh, Rama is great with kids. He's the greatest packer in the state of Utah. People take him out, they ask for him again and again and again. He wins all the contests at the annual Lama Fest, which is just coming up in about six weeks' time. So our best Lama, two days after they come back from the trek, he can't get up. His back legs are paralyzed. And as the day goes on, the paralysis inches up higher and higher. And by nightfall, He's lolling on the ground. Jared knows. Jared spent many hours sitting with him. His ears were back. His eyes were totally unfocused. And towards the end of the evening, from about six until nine, for three hours, his breathing got more and more and more labored, indicating that the paralysis was reaching his lungs. His nostrils were flaring. The vet said it doesn't look good. Everyone's standing around, not believing that he's going to last the night. And I came up to him and I said, well, this is an opportunity to practice what we preach. I said, I want to call, Lord, I want to call this Lama restored. I want to call this Lama well. Lord, I want to call this Lama back from the edge of death so that he can give us another five or six good years of service, bringing income to pay the temple bills, wowing people at the Lama Fest, getting himself rented out for track and field, uh, ingratiating himself to children, grade school children, head start children that come onto the property. I say, Lord, you may have a different plan for him. You may have something special in mind for him. But, you know, between you and me, I think God has alternate plans. I think when you reach a junction like this, he could go this way or this way. I think that if I hadn't called Rama back, if I hadn't called him restored, if I hadn't called him anointed to continue the work here, I believe the Lord would have taken him. But because I exercised some faith... And I reminded the Lord that we're all created healthy, we're all created well-equipped, we're all created able. And I invited the Lord to bring Rama back from the edge of death. Sure enough, next morning, everybody will tell you, he was perky, his ears were up, he was looking around, 
and he started drinking on his own and eating his own, we, had, we were able to take the ivy out of his neck. So, learn to think thoughts of victory. The circumstances didn't look good for Rama. Even the vet said, I don't think he's going to make it. But let's not be dead-ended by what things look like. Let's not be pulled up short by what our mind is telling us, or what our emotions are telling us, or what the experts are telling us. Let's never lose sight of the fact that God is all-powerful. Not a blade of grass moves without his sanction, not a sparrow falls to the ground without his sanction. He can do anything. But sometimes, in fact, oftentimes, we miss God's great plan. We miss God's great design because we've got to call ourselves healthy. We've got to call ourselves prosperous. We've got to call ourselves loners and not debtors before God's plan activates itself and kicks in. Well, someone says, true, it doesn't look like, you know, this can't apply to me. I'm not blessed. I'm not healthy. Here's the key. You've got to believe it before you see it. If you see it before you believe it, then there's no need for faith. Faith means I may not be able to see how I'm going to get out of debt. I may not be able to see how I'm going to get back from disease. But I walk by faith. I don't walk by sight. If Krishna said it, I may not see it, but I believe it. If he said it, that's good enough for me. Lord says a lot of things about us in the Bhagavad Gita, mostly, if you'll notice, in the past tense or the present tense. Because he says something about it doesn't mean it's going to happen. If there's gold underneath the earth, you need to envision the gold underneath the earth. If you, have, if you walk around semi-conscious, and you can't have that x-ray vision, if you can't imagine the gold in that certain spot, and you're going to miss that treasure which is awaiting you. You do have to envision it, you do have to get some prospecting tools, and you have to get it out. It's not going to jump out out of the ground into the unsuspecting hands of the semi-conscious person. But if you enlarge your vision and you see what it is that's there already with your name on it, then you can claim it. Someone says, well, you know, going back to the old thing, I don't really feel blessed today, there's a lot of things coming against me, my family, my finances. When you're on the verge of your mind talking you out of fulfilling your dreams, when you're in that dead-end situation of saying, there's no way I'm blessed, what you need to do is be bold enough to claim that which is already yours. Say, Krishna, in spite of the circumstances, if you say I'm blessed, then I'm blessed. When you get in agreement with God like that, it allows Him to release the promises which already have your name on them. What He's doing is pulling things which are already existing. He's not creating things out of nothing. But He's pulling things which are already existing out of the unseen realm into the seen realm. Twenty-some years later, Vaibhavi and I had a vision. It wasn't in the seen realm. Nobody saw it. But we were able to penetrate into the unseen realm and see this beautiful temple sitting on top of a hill in Spanish Fort. We saw it, and then we talked to other people. Can't you see it? Look harder. Yeah, it's there. Help it. It's just unmanifest. It's there, but it's unmanifested. So help us. Partner with us and God to bring it from the unmanifest realm to the manifest realm. 
And it happened. In fact, two weeks from today, it will be the 11th anniversary of the opening of this temple. And in those 11 years, literally hundreds of thousands of people have come here as tourists, come here to taste the sanctified vegetarian prasadam, come here for the evening Bhagavad Gita classes, the yoga classes, the festivals, and so on and so forth. They would not have been able to do that. We would have all missed out if we had left that which was unseen there. And if we hadn't taken the initiative and expressed the faith to bring that which is unseen into the seen realm. There are so many things, there are so many treasures around every corner. There's an angel underneath every single rock, turn but a stone and start a wing, the poet said. If we only knew the art, if we only had the faith of bringing out from that which is unseen, that which is seen, we would be surrounded by treasures. We could literally invoke the spiritual world here and now. When we get to that dead end point of saying, I'm not blessed, do something. Reach up and adjust God's crown of favor on your head. Some passerby says, what are you doing there? Are you combing your hair? No, I'm adjusting my crown of favor. My crown of Krishna's favor. To get that crown, we can't drag through our day thinking, why do I always get the short end of the stick? Why do I always get bad breaks? Why does nothing good ever come to me? When those thoughts come, just reach up and adjust the crown of favor on your head. We don't have to get down on our knees and beg God. We don't have to pray for something in the future, in the sweet by and by. You're already more than a conqueror. You're already blessed. You're already favored. You're already healthy. In the government warehouse, there are cash, there's stocks, there's bonds, there's jewels. Now, those things don't become yours when you claim them. When you present yourself before the window with your ID and they pass over that box to you, that's not when it belongs to you. It belonged to you the whole time it was sitting there unclaimed as well. So you don't have to pray to get something that already belongs to you. You simply have to be bold enough to claim that which is already yours. Lord Jaitanya Mahaprabhu, you see pictured here. He said, love of God and all the concomitant favors are stored up in a special warehouse. In India they call a warehouse a godam. And he said, we're meant to go into that warehouse with the mentality of plunderers. He's not exhorting us to be delicate. He's saying, go in there like plunderers. Go into that warehouse. Do whatever you have to do to claim every single favor and blessing in that warehouse, which already has your name on it. Go in there with the attitude that you're not going to leave anything behind that has your name on it. And Lord Jaitanya says, if we have this take-no-prisoners attitude, if we have that kind of enthusiasm to get everything that belongs to us, not only will we get everything, but things will multiply. He says, if you plunder the warehouse of love of God, a paradoxical thing happens, the warehouse fills up again. When you go and claim that book that's got your name on it, that first book that you're destined to write, you know what happens? Two or three more books emerge as possibilities. When you, if you're a devotee and you might have an ambition, there are 400 Hare Krishna temples all over the world, just like my Bobby came and I came 20 years ago, we wanted to start a temple. The temple was already here. We claimed that temple. We went into that warehouse and we said, Krishna, is there a temple for us to start? And Krishna inspired us with a dream to come to Spanish work. And we claimed that temple, which was already there. And no sooner did we claim that temple, then possibilities for two or three other temples emerged. 
You see what I'm saying? You may not see a way, but if you can conceive it on the inside, one day you'll receive it on the outside. If you'll prosper your soul and do everything that you need to get twisty, prashant, atma, satisfaction inside, if you'll get right with God and get in agreement with Him and honor His plan for your life, then you will start to prosper on the outside. Feel blessed in your spirit on the inside before those blessings manifest on the outside. Never say, I'm going to be, I'm hoping to be, maybe one day, if everything works out, I'm going to be free. No, you are free right now, you are victorious right now, you are blessed right now, you are prosperous right now. Krishna's Kavaraj, 500 years ago, just after Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu spread the chanting of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, spread it all over the breadth and length of India, and he predicted that it would go to every town and village in the world in due course of time. So Lord Chaitanya, after his 48 years, Jesus Christ was here for 32 years, Lord Chaitanya was here for 48 years, after he went back to the spiritual world, the devotees wanted someone to write his biography, very, very important for future generations. And the person who they thought would be most qualified was Krishna's Kavaraj. The only problem is Krishna's Kavaraj was a hundred years old. He was blind, he was deaf, he was mute. He'd written many books, but not in the last 25 years had he put pen to paper because of invalidity, because of the infirmities that beset one due to old age. And Krishna's Kavaraj described himself. I have now become too old and disturbed by invalidity while writing my hands tremble, I cannot remember anything nor can I see or hear properly still I write and this is a great one we pray Mukam karoti I may be incapable I may be handicapped I may be beset with disabilities but if God inspires me if God picks me up and uses me as an instrument of his will then Mukam karoti that person who is blind can see stars in the sky. Pangum That person who is lame can win the Olympics. That person who is dumb can speak wonderful poetry. That Krishna's Kavaraj at the age of 100 years old wrote the epic 17-volume Chaitanya Charanarita. The story of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has got to be one of the great wonders of all literary history. God didn't make us mediocre. He planted big dreams inside of each and every one of us. One day you're going to start a temple. One day you're going to own a business. One day you're going to come out of bed. One day you're going to raise wonderful children. The Lord has already planned this for you before you were born. He always puts bigger things in our spirit than our mind can handle. Let's not talk ourselves out of it. Let's be open to the mind-boggling plans that the Lord has for us. And that which makes up the difference between the, the limitations of the mind and the unlimited plans that the Lord has for us is faith. It's the stretching of our faith which allows the mind finally to come to terms and accommodate the great future that God has in store for us. Right now you say, oh, the odds are against me. And you're so, feel yourself so little favored and so little blessed. Someone might say, it's not even worth my time to try for this, Cheru. I'm just going to let this go in one ear and out the other. But when there's no reason to hope, when all hope is taken away, Krishna says, learn to hope against hope. 
Don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by the naysayers and the critics. Be moved by the promises that the Lord makes in the Bhagavad Gita. By the empowerment that He offers to us. He put a promise in your heart. He also equipped you to fulfill that promise. He's opening the right doors. He's bringing the right people across your path. We have to be bold enough to expand our vision and to strengthen and to stretch our faith in the Lord. Open ourselves up to all the possibilities that are there when you realize that I am working on behalf of the Lord of millions and millions of universes. Dare to call ourselves victorious before we can actually see it. Call yourself debt-free even though the bills have piled up. Call yourself well even though the doctor's report doesn't look good. Call yourself successful even when business is slow. Call yourself happily married even when you haven't had a date for five years. (laughs) Talk about being a blessing to the world even when you can barely take care of yourself. Someone says, true, that's just wishful thinking, you're just self-hypnosis. No, we're doing what God does. We're bringing those things from the unseen world, which already exist. We're bringing them into the world of the seen. Friends, Krishna wants to do something big in your life. He wants you to make a difference in your generation. He wants to take you places you could never even imagine. That's not going to happen with narrow, limited, small mindsets. I'm asking you to be bold enough today to go out and claim what belongs to you. If you'll program your mind for victory and believe that you are who Krishna, God says you are, you will see every promise, every dream that Krishna's put into your heart, it will come to fulfillment. And if you're inclined to chant with me, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare.